Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. My brother-in-law, um, noted scholar in the field of uh, the Patrician Fathers, uh, he got a PhD in that at the University of Colorado, he's teaching that, and amongst other things, he also was a pastor for many years, and, and he was visiting us in Nebraska once, and, and so I invited him to, to share the gospel, to bring the message that day, and, and so he did, and as he's talking through the message, he, he's telling a story about where he lived at the time, which was Loveland, Colorado, and as he's describing it, he says, and where I live in Loveland, Colorado, a town most undeserving of its name, and, and then he, he went on from there. And I'm like, did he just say that? Did, did he just say that? Loveland, a town most undeserving of its name. Well, we had known for some time that he had some difficulties with the church that he was having there. And, and uh, I don't know how many people noticed the little under-his-breath comment about his feelings about Loveland, Colorado. But my, my children did, and they thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I noticed as well. I was like... That seems a little out of place in the middle of a message. Uh, We talked a little bit about that, but I think in the core of all of that little comment he makes under his breath was a struggle with something that was going on. Something about living there and the community he was involved with there had caused so much angst that when he thinks about that town, he says, it doesn't deserve its name of Loveland. Well, on some level, this is lament, isn't it? It, it, is, it is facing hard things in our lives, and, and what do we do with that? How do we express the hard things that are going on in our lives that, that, that are just uh, overwhelming us sometimes? And, and what do we do that it just doesn't bleed out in all kinds of different ways, uh, demonstrating in bitterness and anger? How do we express that? And I mean, sometimes we... In the church, we feel like, oh, you know, just it's, it's good to be just, oh, Lord, we thank you for everything. And well, that's really not how we respond to that, is it? But what's the right way to respond then? Well, we have been looking at Psalms these last couple of weeks, and, and we come to Psalm 3. And the Psalm 3 is, is, is kind of a first in many ways of the Psalms in, in the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalm 1 and 2 are kind of introductions to how to look at the Lord and how to come and approach Him and His ways. And so it starts off with, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of the wicked and stand in the, in the place of sinners and sit in the seat of mockers. Uh, but instead he delights in the law and he continues on to describe the, the, the way or the path of of the one who is blessed by God, that God watches over his way at, where he does not watch over the way of the wicked. And, and, and chapter 2 or Psalm 2 comes behind that and, and gives us a, a little bit different picture of, of coming before the Lord and, and worshiping him and, and, and the, the nations plotting and conspiring to, to throw God off in his fetters or his shackles or his bonds. And, and God just laughs at it. And it's an introduction to say, you're not going to escape God. <laughs> this is God who we're talking about. 
And then Psalm 3 comes on the scene, and, 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 it's, and it's different from those first two in, in, in several ways. It's, if you have your Bibles, it, uh, it has in there, just it starts off with, well, words that are before verse 1, at least in our English Bibles. Verse 1 starts with, give ear to my, I'm sorry, O Lord, how many are my foes? But before that, so just underneath the psalm itself, it says, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. So, so it's the first psalm of the psalms to actually be called the psalm, or a, a, in, in Hebrew, a mizmor, a, a song that is supposed to be sung with instruments. Um, and it's also the first one to say it's of David. And it's the first as well that is, has in it a little bit of a historical setting for what are the conditions under which this particular poem or song was written. It was written by David when? When he was fleeing from his son Absalom. Well, if you're familiar with your Old Testament, uh, this comes from 2 Samuel over chapters 14, 15, and 16. And, and Absalom was one of David's many sons. He had many sons, and he had several wives through whom these sons came. And, and Absalom one was, was one who was, who was exiled from the kingdom for some time. And he pleaded and pleaded to be able to allow it back. He killed one of his other brothers because of something despicable this brother had done. And, and, but in having killed him, he, he fled and and after some time, David finally welcomed him back to Jerusalem, but then never would see him. And uh, he pleaded with uh, David's main general, Joab, what's the point of being here if I can't see my father? And finally, his father welcomed into his presence. And then after that, Absalom gets in his head uh, a little bit of ambition and he begins standing at the, the gates of the city. And as people are coming to the king and to, to the, the capital for justice, looking for judgment on their cases, he would say, oh, oh, if you could get justice for your situation. And if only I were able to, to be able to give you the justice, how, how rightly I would decide these things on your case. And, and he, he'd talk as people came in and he would, he would give them this spiel again and again and and. And it says in the scriptures that he was capturing the hearts of the people. So much so that eventually he decides, people love me. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to be the king. And so they head off to the city of Hebron. And they're going to have him anointed as king. One of David's main advisor is going to come alongside him and be part of this. And there's this whole conspiracy of what's going on. To, to remove David as king and supplant him with his son Absalom. And, and David hears of this, and he takes off, and he flees. Uh, he and several people accompany him on the way, and, but, but there's, there's the setting. Because when, when we write things, there's usually something that's going behind it. If you are a person who journals or who, who writes poems or songs or those kind of things, they usually come out of some circumstance that you're dealing with and you're trying to, to come up with some way of how to respond to it. These are what these songs are. And so we have David's song in response to this. And he says in verse 1, O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Selah. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. 
You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. Selah. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Selah. This is also the first use of that word, Selah, that we see about 71 times throughout the Psalms. Uh, a word that for, uh, doesn't mean much to many. They're, they try and figure out how it's supposed to fit in there. Some think it's a, a musical notation. Uh, the, the structure of the, the verb or the, the word that it's based on means to lift up. And so some think that maybe you're supposed to raise the, the, the chord there at that time. But, or others just maybe to, to, to pause and, and lift up your heads. Uh, but there's this little word that comes in the middle of it and and on some level, we're, we're to stop and, and lift up, remembering who we're talking to in this. And as David, in the midst of his story, is considering the foes that are against him and those who are, are yelling out to him, God's not going to deliver you. Forget about it. You're, you're a man of such, of such violence and, and you've been so dishonorable to others that this is what God is doing to you. Uh, as part of the story in, in 2 Samuel 15 and 16, uh, there were others associated with King Saul, King David's predecessor, who were part of his family. And, and one fellow named Shammai, is, as, as David is fleeing with his troops and with those who are, are surrounding him, He's yelling curses and, 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 and yelling all kinds of things to David as he goes along the way. And, and he's throwing rocks and pebbles at him and dirt. And, and uh, some of the people around him say, like, should we just kill this guy? What, how can you just take this, David? And he's like, you know, if this is what the Lord has told him to do, then we need to let him to do this. But it still doesn't mean that the words don't have some impact on David as he's going through this difficult thing. I mean, just set yourself in terms of this story. You're the king, and you've been king for some time now. You had to face all kinds of things to get to this place. Saul was pursuing you again and again and again, and uh, finally he dies, but not at your hand. And you are eventually lifted up as the king. But now your son, your own son, your very son, uh, whom you've, in theory, think that you've finally reconciled with and welcoming into your presence again, now is conspiring to remove you from office and, and probably in a violent way. And in the midst of this hardship and difficulties, David, who is a writer and who is a singer and is noted for that, turns his heart to the Lord and says, Lord, help me, help me, help me. How many are these foes that I'm facing? How many rise against me? How many are saying to me, you will not deliver? Uh, that's, a, that's a setting that uh, a lot of times we can identify with. In fact, when you look at the psalm, if you don't know from the first couple uh, sentences there that this is set up as a response to Absalom's uh, causing him to flee, uh, you, you could make it a lot more generic. and there's, any, there's many circumstances that this would fit. 
when we're facing difficulties and hardship, when we feel that all things are coming against us, and our first response is say, Lord, what is going on? Help me. It's a story and it's prayer. But it's a lament. And this is the first of the laments in the Psalms. It, uh, the laments are, are, well, as this one indicates, when we cry out to God for help. Uh, they fill the, the first part of the, the book of Psalms. But there are other books in, in the Bible that are, are laments. Uh, notably, the book of Lamentations. It's right there in its name. And that's, as Jeremiah is reflecting on the seeds of Jerusalem and the horrible, despicable things that are happening in the city. He's like, Lord, help us. And that's what a lament is. And David pouring his heart out, asking for help. But as he writes his poem, he begins thinking about who is was asking for help and says, but, but you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. Having a shield in the battle. Um, what is a shield? Uh, you're familiar on some level with uh, the concept of a shield. Uh, in, in, the, in old days, it would have been something you maybe could put your arm around, and it is generally a defensive weapon, unless someone is really close to you. But, I mean, it's something that can block a, a sword being swung at you or, or arrows that are being shot at you. You can, you can be protected behind the shield. Um, if someone's too close, you could push them out of the way with it, uh, protecting yourselves from knives or other things as well. But it's, it's a defense thing. And, and as David reflects upon this situation he's in, being fled and being taken away from his town and his son and his son's armies and advisors pursuing him, he stops and says, Lord, Yahweh, you are a shield around me. Uh, in, in verse 3 there, uh, when we have the word, O Lord, uh, the word Lord translated there is, is the Hebrew word Yahweh. Uh, the, the, the Jews, however, would never pronounce that word. It was the holy name of God. And so they would instead, when they saw that word in the scriptures, they would say Adonai, which means Lord. And so, uh, so the English practice has been to follow that as well. So when the word Yahweh is there, it's translated as Lord, but it is, it, is, it is the name of God, the name he identified himself to, to Moses in, in the Exodus. Yahweh, you are a shield about me. You are my protector, and because of you, I can lift my head. I can cry aloud to you, and you will answer me. In the midst of the battle, he's got a shield. He has protection. So much so that when he comes to lying down at nights, he feels like he can sleep. When we're going through very stressful and difficult times, uh, many of you are aware how elusive sleep can be. That it does not come. If something's happening in our lives, if our job or in something in our family, if there's a conflict we're working through, we just, we just don't sleep. Our mind is going all night and, and we're wondering what's going to happen next. How am I going to get through this? What's going to happen? And, and, 
the sleep doesn't happen. And so you start out the next day a little deficient because you're not rested. But David says, in turning even in this situation, I'm sleeping. I can find rest and I wake in the morning and I know that, that you are there because you are sustaining me. Despite the tens of thousands that come against me, beside all that's happening in You're with me, Lord. And then he moves that on to to lift in prayer in verse 7. Arise, O Lord, deliver me. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Well, no, there's some verses. (laughs) We, uh, I think in in our culture, we come to, to verses like that, and they're a little bit disorienting for us, aren't they? We would come along them and say, well, you know, where's... You know, aren't we supposed to, to love our enemies? And aren't we supposed to turn the other cheek? And oh, I don't see a lot of that in these laments there. I see a lot of, Lord, get them. Just get them, Lord. And, and, and it's, again, it's a little disorienting for us. And I, I think part of it we need to recognize this is a different culture. I mean, we live in a society and time that is filled with dissension and conflict and, and political wrangling and and, and there's a lot of people who are angry about a lot of things, but uh, mostly they're using words. Uh, and then, and it wasn't just words that David was worried about. Uh, the situation, the culture they lived in, they lived in real war. Uh, other communities in our world today live in these kind of conditions where, where there is very real threats to their lives it's not just their name that's going to be maligned and their character that's going to be assassinated. They could lose family members. They could lose their own life. They could face all kinds of hardships physically because of what was going on. And this is the world that he lived in. He was a warrior. And, and so he thinks in these kind of terms, asking for the Lord as they're trying to destroy me. Lord, I'm asking you to destroy them. And, and again, this feels a little disorienting for us. But... In fact, so much so, C.S. Lewis, when he comments on this, one of his conclusions is, you know, this seems wrong, and, and, and maybe it is wrong. Maybe it is so wrong, um, but there's something still for us to learn. That, that maybe it's a sinful response to the situation to want to just get back and, and, and get vengeance upon them. But it, there's a lesson for, for all of us in looking at that, and, and, and his indication is that in looking at the violent reaction in David here, oftentimes in David, but in others in the Psalms, uh, something has happened that has caused and tempted them to this kind of vengeful anger. And for those of you who caused that, this is what you've done to them. You have led them and tempted them, and certainly that is going to be on them and their heart and their attitude response to this situation, and that's their responsibility. But you have a responsibility because you put them in this place, uh, which is intriguing at some levels because I, I think uh, many times when, when we injure someone, it, uh, whether it's physically or, or more so uh, emotionally by we saying something thoughtlessly or, or meanly to someone, we are, are very quick to forgive ourselves, aren't we? 
It's like, oh, you know, I, I was feeling bad. I was, I was tired. Uh, we, we just are willing to give ourselves quite a bit of a break there and, and think that the other person should just see, ah, uh, yeah, really don't make a big deal out of it. Whereas when we receive those words or those actions, uh, we are much more likely to, well, to take real offense at that. How could they do that? They knew this would hurt me. And they did it on purpose and, and, and can hold on to some anger and bitterness. Some years back, I was, I was summarily dismissed from uh, an interim preaching job I had. I, I, I was speak, speak, speaking at this church, and, and I, I was going to be gone one particular weekend. It was the, the week of Thanksgiving, and then was, was talking with some of the leadership, you know, what should I do next? Should I stay on this, this series that I'm doing, or should we go into some kind of Advent series? And, and I'm talking with the associate pastor, and I, and I said, well, do you know who's speaking the week I'm not there and, and what he's speaking on? He said, actually, it's me, and, and I'm starting a series on Advent. And And I'm like, this word series, (laughs) it seems to have some implications. (laughs) Because if you're doing a series on Advent, that would seem like it would be all through December when I was expecting to to be speaking. (laughs) And uh, are you telling me I'm not speaking anymore? It's like, well, uh, at least not in December. Was anyone going to tell me this? This is 12 days away. This Sunday, this Sunday is my last day? Is that what you're telling me? I was like, well, well the, uh, the, uh, the, the chairman was going to tell you. <laughs> and, 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 and this is how I was let go. And, and, and I called the chairman and I talked with him. And, and I, well, I was irritated and agitated. I was angry. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, I had some... Uh, I mean, I'm trying to bite my words and trying to look like a nice Christian. I, I, I did all the right things on some level, but I had some serious conversations with them. And I was like, okay, so, you, so this is my, so, so in five days, that's my last. I've been here for three months and, and I've made a good connection with these folks. So are, is someone going to tell them this is my last Sunday or am I just not showing up again? And, and uh, so they, oh yeah, someone will, someone's going to let, let, them, let it, everyone know what's going on. And so, so, so that right, right before I'm getting up to speak, uh, uh, one of their leaders gets up there and, and, and says, yeah, so Rick and Betty Lou, they're going to be traveling all through December, so they're not going to be here. And I'm like, did that just happen? <laughs> did that just happen? What, what am I supposed to do with this? Now, now I'm angry again, and I've got to speak about the word of the Lord in about two minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, and sometimes just being nice isn't what's going on inside. What do we do with those hardcore, raw emotions? I think, I think against a little bit of what C.S. Lewis says, I think the best way to handle those, the, the way to direct that is, is to give it to God and say, God, God, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> what is going on? I, I, I can't believe this. And, and, and to have conversations that are real with him. And, and I think maybe against my, my brother-in-law, I mean, we don't maybe bring them into the message and give our little digs there. But we do deal with the anger that we have. We bring them to the Lord. And, and the laments give us this possibility. It gives us the words to do this, 
to bring our lives to God and say, God, this, this is not okay. And I'm struggling with this. And, man, sometimes, again, we, we, we play this part because we're good Christians. We're like, oh, praise the Lord. But it's not real. Do you think God's fooled by that? It's like, oh, well, I'm glad that's no big deal to them. God knows our hearts. He knows what's going on. So you might as well just be real and, and work through it with him. And, and sometimes, as we were talking with the kids, sometimes he said yes, and sometimes he said no. Sometimes he says later. Sometimes, here, I'll give you this instead. And that's how our, our wrestling and our wrangling with God sometimes goes. But, but to come to him honestly, and, that, and that's, that's what the Psalms allow us to do. It sees raw emotion and and pouring it out before the Lord, asking, pleading for his help and direction in this. But it does it still within a context. And that context is trusting God to remember that we're praying to not just some vague spirit out there, but Yahweh. He has a name. He is the Lord. He is the God, the creator of all things. He is our sustainer. He knows my name. He knows where I'm at. He knows you. And somehow in this circumstance that you're in, he's saying, I'm with you. This isn't going to be easy. And that's another thing the laments give us. Life sometimes doesn't go nicely we got Psalm 1 and 2 that gives us a picture. This is how it ought to be. The blessed is he who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the seat of sin or stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law. Like, yes, yes. And then sometimes life is like, wow, I'm pretty far from that right now. And God says, yeah, I know. Because this is going to be your world sometimes. But come to me. And David says, Arise, O Lord, deliver me. Strike my enemies. And verse 8, From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. And if anything is common, each of these three psalms, this word bless is part of it. The first word in Psalm 1 is, blessed is the man. The last sentence in Psalm 2 is, blessed are all who take refuge in him. And then in Psalm 3, may your blessing be on your people, Selah. Where do we go? We go to God. When tragedy comes our way, when injustice invades our life, the lament psalms give us words to bring to God. We lose someone we love. Our life is out of control. We're under attack. We cry out to God. And we see both sides. That, that, that for many times, the setting is hard. Life is difficult. But that God is a shield. And I can sleep and I can rest because he will deliver me. The enemy wants to say, he wants us to echo the, the second verse of this, God will not deliver you. God doesn't care about you. You've blown it. You've got no place in his life. See, this is what you get for trusting in him. And our faith comes to him and says, deliver me. May your blessing be on your people.
I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with. Maybe it's something from last week. Maybe it's something from 10 years ago, this, this root of bitterness. Uh, for me, this incident with this church, I, I've had to come to places where I, I've needed to eventually get to the good Christian place of forgiveness and, and, and being able to, well, to wish them well. For a long time there, I was wishing, oh, I hope they get a lousy pastor who leaves in like three months. And, uh, well, that's not very Christian. And it wasn't. And recognizing that, that what's going on in my heart is something I need to deal with. And again, I can talk openly with God and then he can start rework in my heart and allow forgiveness because bitterness uh, we, we did this series some years ago and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it up again but resolving everyday conflict but there's this quote in there that, that bitterness is the poison we drink hoping someone else will die <laughs> that's what holding on to bitterness is we hold on to something in anger hoping someone else gets damaged by it it only damages us to bring these things to God, asking for his help, asking for the ability to forgive and let this go and completely trust in God, even these hard circumstances, and to see God do a work. Uh, one of my good friends has gotten to know their current pastor well and says he's a good man and he loves the Lord and I'm glad for that. And uh, Because the Lord proceeding on in his work and his people, even in, in circumstances out of circumstances that seem wrong, uh, we want people to come to see him rightly. So again, what are you dealing with? What are you struggling with? What is out of control in your life that you're pleading, Lord, help me? God says, come to me. Bring this to me. Because he is the source of deliverance. Let's stand for closing prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning. Again, uh, not far from most of our memories are uh, hurts and injustices that we've received. And, and, uh, and Lord, we bring those to you. And probably a little farther from us is, are the... Uh, unkindnesses and injustices that we've poured out on others and we don't remember those. Uh, Lord, help us to reflect well on how we treat one another, to be able to lift one another up in care and love, to, to think through how we respond and, and as it reflects your work in our life. And help us to come to this place in whatever circumstances of remembering that you are a shield about us and to rest in you even when everything around us screams like it's out of control. We need your help. We thank you that we can come to you with that. That you're not looking for platitudes from us. You're looking for our hearts that you know already so that you can work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening, and to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service. 
Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.